I want to give you five reasons fasting will change your life. Five reasons that fasting will change your life. And I want to have a little bit of fun at first because here's the deal with this topic. Fasting is by far, man, the most intimidating of all the spiritual disciplines. It's kind of like leg day at the gym, right? Oh, I'll do anything else as much as you want, God, but please do not make me do that. I'd rather be the, uh, the super buff dude, 200 pounds of solid upper body muscle and chicken legs before I do that, right? It is so intimidating. I think one of the reasons fasting intimidates us is we are under the false assumption you gotta go big or go home. Like it's either a 40-day water fast or you might as well not do it. <laughs> Day five, are you hungry? Here's a glass of ice cubes, enjoy Day six, feeling faint, will swallow a gust of wind and pray because he is the bread of life, right? Got so intense really quick. Um, it's intimidating. It's challenging. It brings with it legalism. And man, I think for me it's intimidating because I swear this happens every time on fasting days for me. It's always the day I see 10 commercials or billboards for deep dish pepperoni pizzas, or it's the day my wife and I go shopping at Costco. And of course, it's like the greatest hits of all the free samples, right? And I'm so hangry at that point that I just find myself saying, get behind me, Satan, to the sweetest little Costco ladies in the world. I don't really do that. Calm down, relax, but... Man, when you're hangry, you'll do and you'll say some stuff, you know? Get behind me! I'm so hungry! <laughs> Pastor Doug, out in public, right? No, I do not know the man, you know? Leave me alone, I'm delirious. That's right around the time top ramen starts to look like real ramen and kale starts to look like lettuce, you know? And this is true for me. Unsweetened um, sugar-free applesauce with a dash of cinnamon and nothing, nothing more than that. Might as well be a brownie batter Dairy Queen blizzard. It is so challenging and so intimidating. Because of that, we, we either get super legalistic about it until we're doing it for all the wrong reasons and we find subtle ways to let people know we're fasting. Oh, yeah, I'm fasting. Oh, whoops, wasn't supposed to say that. Don't tell anybody. Are you sure? Because you sure seem like you did that on purpose, you know, and Jesus, Jesus said something about that, right? We either get super legalistic or, or we get super lazy and lenient and the mental gymnastics of justification start to creep in, which we are all brilliant at, by the way, because we're human. You do a liquid fast and the line between juice and smoothie gets dangerously blurred. <laughs> like, give me that deep dish pizza, I'll blend it and drink it. That doesn't count, right? Like, are we... This is okay, is it not? I don't know. I've got so many stories of fasting failures. The very first time I ever fasted uh, was in college. About a year into following Jesus, somebody told me, you're supposed to fast. So I woke up the next morning and was like, I guess, okay, I won't eat today. And by dinner time, man, I was so desperate, <laughs> so desperate that... <laughs> I didn't tell Ryan this until the 9 a.m., but I snuck into our pantry in our college house, and for like five minutes, I just poured steak seasoning onto my hand and just licked it, thinking, how is this my life right now? I was going to say like a tiger. No, like a house cat, okay? I was like, what am I doing? I'm supposed to be praying, right? Like, I can't chew any more gum, brush my teeth 10 times just to swallow the toothpaste. At what point am I missing the point, right? Fasting brings with it the intimidation factor and the legalism factor. 
It's my goal today to get rid of both. I could just as easily give you five reasons not to fast. How many hope I wish I was preaching that one, right? We don't fast to atone for sin. We don't fast to get God to love us more. We fast because he already did and he already does, right? We don't fast to get to magically manipulate God into doing for us what we want him to do like he's a cosmic vending machine in the sky, right? Uh, B7, God, I'll take B7, please. Pastor, just give me the fasting code for B7. (laughs) Okay, you ready? There's not one. You do not put God into your debt by not eating food. (laughs) God, I skipped my afternoon snack. You owe me a wife, right? No, he's way more interested in who you're becoming than he is in what you're giving up. This is not religion, never has been, never will be. This has always been about relationship. And church, for me, everything about fasting changed the moment obligation gave way to invitation. It's my sincere prayer that would happen for a lot of you today. Because the most basic definition of fasting, if you will, is this right here. It's just going without what you want in order to access what you need. Going without what you want to access what you need. Now, usually it means giving up food for a meal or a day. Um, And honestly, there's so many practical examples and options for you in your starter pack Devo. So I'll point you in that direction But honestly, it could be giving up anything you want, crave, or enjoy in order to access what you need. And if you do that, I have five reasons for you that I believe it will change your life. Sound good? Five reasons fasting will change your life. Here we go. Reason number one, because fasting realigns your soul. Fasting realigns your soul. In John's third letter, he says this, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you. So like already, I'm like, this is so sweet. Call me beloved. (laughs) I hope all goes well with you. And that you're in good health. Comma, notice the comma. As it goes well with your soul. I love this verse. In other words, he's saying, I hope you're in good health, man. I hope your bank account is crushing it. I hope your job and your family is great, but only as it goes well with your soul. Jesus said something about you can gain all of that. You can gain the world and yet forfeit your soul. It's a terrible trade every time. I hope everything about your life is going well, comma, as it goes well with your soul. This verse speaks to living with the proper alignment from the inside out. First Thessalonians 5.23 says this, may God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, notice the order, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. So notice the order, spirit, soul, body. And let me remind you, the divine order of the Bible is, well, divine, okay, so there you go, spirit, soul, body, what this is speaking to, Paul is reminding you that you were knit together in a specific order. So you, you, my fellow nerds, you're gonna love me for the next two minutes, okay? So spirit, the Greek word for spirit is the word pneuma. It means the breath of God, the breath of God. In case you're wondering, it is in fact synonymous with the Hebrew word ruach, 
that you will find all the way back in the beginning in Genesis chapter two, where God makes the man out of the dirt and the dust, and Adam is there and looks like Adam. In other words, his form is there, lips, hips, and fingertips, but he's not alive yet until God breathes his breath into him. This is the breath of God. And by the way, if you've been doing your starter pack Devo, you know you take on average of 20,000 of those breaths a day, each one of them a reminder of the God who gives it. Ruach or pneuma, Hebrew or Greek, pick your poison. This is the breath of God in you that, picture Adam, that animates your body, right? animates your body. The Greek word for body is the word soma. Go to part three right there, soma. And so that is your flesh. This is your skin, your muscles, your bones, your spirit is what gives that animation. And then in between the two is your soul. And this is the word suke, a very meaty and rich word that essentially is your character, your substance, your personhood, everything that makes you you. A lot of scholars would just argue that is an all-encompassing word. The word suke includes everything you see up there, starting with your spirit all the way to your heart, your mind, and even the body you are walking around in. And God put your soul or suke together in that specific order. Now, whether you followed any of that or not, all you need to know is this. We are designed to live from the inside out. Remember that verse, deep calls to deep? We all think, oh, it's such a cool verse. I wanna get that tattooed. What does it mean? I don't know, but it sounds so cool. <laughs> deep calls to deep. Think about it now in terms of this divine ordering. The deepest part of you, the spirit of God, the breath of God within you, calls out to the depths of God. Ephesians 3 is Paul's prayer for you where he says, oh, that you might come to know that we're no, not speaking to because you read a book or intellectually, but come to know by experience the depths of God's love for you. Deep calls out to deep. And this is how you know that there's more out there. Even if you're, you're not into this whole Jesus thing. Welcome, by the way. I'm so grateful you're here, but I bet you in heart to hearts, you find yourself dropping language like, I just know there's more out there. I sense in me, I feel in me, there has got to be more than this. My question for all of us, do you ever wonder why it is that you know that? How you know that that's true? The deepest part of you, the spirit of God that's in you, knows, somehow senses that its true home is with the God who made you and gave you that. And by the way, that's why it feels so good in here when you actually engage in worship. Something is happening in your spirit. It's not lights and screens and music or a performance or a concert. Those are creative means to the something more that you're sensing. Your soul or your substance is experiencing God because you are breathing, living, proclaiming, and worshiping from the inside out. And your spirit is going, woo, feel like I'm home right now. That's what's happening. Now, I want to submit to you maybe the reason that you feel off, if you do, if you feel just out of sync, like you listen to NSYNC and you go, I do not feel like the name of this band. Great music. Is that a boo? Emily? We'll talk after. Okay. <laughs> the reason you feel off might just be because you are not living 
from this divine order. The pattern of the world, or one of them, is to live from the outside in. I would argue as humans, this is our default setting. Just makes sense. It's easier to live from the outside in. But when you realign your soul and live from the inside out, you find yourself all of a sudden walking in the rhythms of grace, kind of like the zone of the soul where you just, you sort of just live in this flow state with God as the source, starting with your spirit, picture Adam, that animates everything else starting from the source, from the inside out. Now this is where fasting comes in, okay? So follow me here. Fasting is the realignment of your spirit and your body. By denying your flesh or body or soma something it wants, you actually awaken and strengthen your spirit to now become the leading agent of your soul. Is this making sense? It's no surprise there's not a lot of sermons about this topic out there. So I'm doing my best. This is so mysterious. I'm trying to put language to it. Rather than living for what you want, you live from what you need. Rather than living for what you want, I heard an mmm back there. Was that Bryce? Mmm. I heard, rather than living for what you want, you live from what you need. Fasting realigns your soul. Amen? And that takes me straight into reason number two. Here it is. Fasting gives you the power to resist temptation. Fasting gives you power to resist temptation. The most powerful story of fasting in the Bible has got to be Matthew chapter four, where Jesus is led into the wilderness to fast for 40 days, no food and no water. And I love Matthew's gospel. He so nonchalantly says, and at the end of all of that, Jesus was hungry. And I go, oh yeah? Thanks, Maddie, for including that. Like, would have never guessed that. Jesus was hungry, no way. And that, by the way, is when Satan or the tempter comes to tempt him. Now, I used to read that and go, what a low blow. What a cheap shot. What a jerk. Tempting Jesus when Jesus is at his weakest. However, that's actually the opposite. He was physically weaker than he ever was. But he was spiritually the strongest he had ever been. Why? His soul was in alignment. Okay? Now, let me say this. The power of fasting is not in fasting. The danger of this topic is that you walk out of here today with a principle and you miss the person. Christianity is not a collection of principles. Church is not a self-help seminar and a concert with a TED Talk. Can I just let you know there are so many much better places you can go to for that. That's not what this is. This is a community and a space dedicating to telling the story of Jesus. Fasting is not the power. Fasting is a fast track, a fast track to the person who walked out of his grave and conquered death and then claimed and said all power and all authority in the entire universe is now mine, okay? And I'm telling you, as your body is weakened and your spirit is strengthened from a person, you find yourself conquering all the temptations you used to bow down to. Jesus once told his disciples, you might remember this, he said, the spirit is willing, you guys, it's the flesh that is weak. Let me read you that in the message, this is so good. Jesus said, stay alert, be in prayer so that you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. There is a part of you your spirit, there is a part of you that is eager 
and ready for anything in God. But there is also another part, your flesh, that is as lazy as a dog sleeping by the fire. So my three-year-old Will, he's so picky when it comes to food, you guys. And he doesn't get this from me. Weckonmans are eaters, right? But he's picky every single breakfast. And I'm pretty, we do breakfast together. I'm this guy's personal chef, okay? So I'll make Will cinnamon toast. And he'll say, I don't want cinnamon toast. I want Cheerios. Now, what I used to do is I would eat the toast, because I don't care. And I'd pour him some Cheerios. Here you go. But then what he'd say is, I don't want just Cheerios. I want Lucky Charms, Dad, sprinkled over my Cheerios. He did get that from me. I used to say, whatever. Okay, here you go. Like, whatever is going to make my morning the easiest. I don't care. But I don't do that anymore. And you want to know why? It's because my three-year-old is not in charge of our house. Okay? I am. Actually, you know who really is. Okay. (laughs) I'm a great VP, though. Okay? (laughs) But I am in charge of Will. Tell you that. Okay. Too many of us let our flesh call the shots like a toddler with a temper. Your flesh, if you didn't catch that, and mine too, is a toddler with a temper. Give me some sugar or I'll scream. I want what I want when I want it, right? I don't care. Like, if it's what I want, then I want it. I want to stay up and watch three more episodes, right? I want, I want pornography. I want another bottle of pills. I want that few more drinks just to, to escape, right? I want that one night stand. I want God to be the way I want him to be. I want that to be okay. I want this to be right and that to be wrong. I don't wanna, I don't wanna work out. I wanna sleep in. I wanna be lazy. I don't care if it's bad for me if it's what I want. Your flesh does not know how to do delayed gratification like a toddler with a temper or, to quote Eugene Peterson, like a lazy dog sleeping by the fire. The flesh is weak. Now follow me. Fasting dethrones king flesh. Okay? Fasting dethrones king flesh. You deny your flesh and your spirit wakes up and steps up and says, I'm the captain now. I'm in charge. And just like Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, you start tapping into this power from a person animated from your spirit inside out and you find yourself way more often saying yes to the things you should say yes to and no to the things you should say no to. Fasting gives you the power to resist temptation and conquer the mountains you could not before. And all of us need this, just so you know. This is the human experience The things I I shouldn't do, I do them. The things I should do, I don't do them. You ever feel like you lack control over your life? You ever feel like, I mean, you're the hardest person for you to lead. You ever feel like you just lack control over yourself? Can I tell you, that's why fasting is here. Not from legalism to make God love you more, but from a deep desire that's already in you to live a life worthy of the gospel that you have already received. Again, not for something, but from something. The spirit of the living God that conquered the grave lives in you right now. 
And though your flesh might be weak, your spirit is ready, eager, and willing for anything in God. Because he's got plans for you, he really does. Your spirit's ready for it and willing for anything in God. God has plans for you. There is a calling on your life. Like Hebrews 12 said, God has marked out a race for you to run with your life. I heard Levi Lusco say years ago that the key to running faster is slowing down. After all, the root word of faster is fast. Talk to any race car driver. If you know one, they will tell you the secret to going fast is knowing how to brake. Fasting is breaking, and when you break into a turn, it readies you and prepares you to accelerate faster out of that turn. Think about it. Jesus began his calling right after his season of fasting, which leads me to tell you, if you're feeling something while I'm speaking right now, you're sensing maybe God's leading, in, leading me into a season of deeper connection, deep cries out to deep, of deeper connection or intentional, maybe even fasting for a season. I'm telling you, it's probably because he has something waiting for you right on the other side of this turn. Every time God is trying to speed you up, it will always first feel like he's slowing you down. Do not be fooled, for this is the secret. Fasting gives you power to resist temptation, and that takes me to number three. Fasting makes you ready. Fasting makes you ready. In Matthew 17, Jesus' disciples met a man whose son was demon-possessed so badly. Picture how horrible this is. His son was demon-possessed so badly, daily seizures. His son would throw himself into fires, pitch himself into rivers. I mean, you wanna talk about the exact opposite of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus, boys, his disciples show up and try, try as they might, they cannot cast this demon out. A few verses later, Jesus shows up and he takes care of business. And then verse 19, later the disciples came to Jesus in private and they asked, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we, why, why can't I get past this? Why is that breakthrough just always just right out of reach? Why couldn't we, why can't I fill in the blank? And Jesus responded by saying, some things only happen by prayer and fasting, okay? Fasting makes you ready. Why? Because it gives you spiritual authority. Think about it. You're denying your flesh or your body something that it wants. You want to talk about why authority follows that? It's like the ultimate sign of human maturity when the dessert's there, but I decide I don't want it. You know like the authority that just kind of rises and builds up in you after those kinds of moments? It's when I have the food, but, uh, but, my, but uh, my spirit says no. Or I have the money to buy it and the means to buy it, but I, my soul says, nope, I don't need it. That's great, and I love having that in my life, but my body, my flesh is not driving the car. My spirit is in charge, which leads to authority. What is spiritual authority? Quite simply put, spiritual authority is the ability to bring the kingdom to places and spaces where it currently is not. Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven into this little boy's body. He showed up, the demon fled. Did it argue with him? No. 
And before you say, well, that was Jesus, Jesus also said that through him, we would do greater things than him, okay? So back in 2011, me and Ethan were youth pastors in Laguna Beach, and um, awesome season. We lived right on the water, and I thought, like, uh, like, we had days where we were like, life's so hard. I'm like, oh, yeah? Wish I could go back 10 years. Um, but every Wednesday, we fasted all day. And it was so challenging. It was so hard, man. But here's what I learned. I learned I can do challenging stuff. That's what I found out. So can you. I can do spiritually challenging things. You can do hard stuff, okay? I realize this, just, this isn't something that's just reserved for the spiritually elite Christians, whatever that means. This is for me, right? Now, I, uh, I don't normally tell you demon stories, but since it's Halloween, <laughs> I got one for you. Quick balancing statement, don't panic. Um, if you're new to all of this, no, balancing statement, if you just heard me say demon and you just got excited, like, finally, <laughs> now here we go. I'm talking to you, okay? We, we're not demon hunters, you guys. We don't give evil a platform. The Bible says we flee from the devil and we fix our focus on things above. Yet at the very same time, we live in a fallen world. And the devil is free on this planet, okay? And this is real, and I have stories, our battles are not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities in the spiritual realm. And when darkness is present, we are absolutely not afraid to call it out and tell it exactly where to go in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's Wednesday night in Laguna. We are walking home from a youth event, and our neighbor, who, man, struggled with a horrible demonic spirit of alcoholism for the majority of his life was waiting in our house. And man, as we got closer to the house, you could feel it dark, heavy. I mean, every step up those stairs to the front door, I just kind of knew something's about to go down. And all I could think is I'm so glad it's Wednesday fasting day. Fasting makes you ready. And when you're already ready, you don't have to get ready. And that night, in Jesus' name, that spirit left our neighbor. There was no showdown. Did it argue? No. Fasting gives you spiritual authority to bring the kingdom of heaven to places and spaces and people where it currently is not. I'm telling you, fasting might just be the difference between a breakdown and a breakthrough. And it might just be the difference between why couldn't we cast it out and what happened in Laguna that night. And it might just be the difference between ordinary and extraordinary. And it might just be the difference between almost and already. Can I just tell you how much I hate the word almost? I almost prayed for you. I almost reached out. I almost showed up. I almost was willing. I almost got baptized. I almost gave. I almost said yes to God. We almost had a church that changed our city. Guys, people are hurting and dying because of that word. Imagine if Jesus almost died for us. I don't want to be a part of an almost church. Paul says to us, the days are dark. 
The season we're walking in is dark. Therefore, make the most of every opportunity or moment to bring the kingdom to places and spaces it's currently not. Fasting makes you ready. Amen? Okay, reason four. Fasting gives you real rest. Jesus said some good stuff, but my favorite stuff is in Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out? Are you burned out on religion? He says, come to me, get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. A real rest, notice that word. So if Jesus is offering real rest, that means there's such stuff as fake rest. You ever had fake rest? You go on a vacation, you come back more tired than before you left. Your friends go, how was your rest? <sighs> what? Sorry, what? How was your rest? Exhausting, right? This is so common. It's one thing to get out of the restlessness. It's another thing to get the restlessness out of you. Jesus is offering real rest, a real recovery. So did you know God required the Israelites, his people back in the day to fat, to, I'm sorry, to Sabbath one day a week. That invitation still stands, by the way. To Sabbath one day a week. You know what Sabbathing is? Fasting. Fasting from what? Being a human doing and remembering I'm a human being. And God is God and I am not. And as cheesy as that all sounds, it is so needed. And it's almost impossible for us to do, which speaks to me how probably important it would be for us to do. You wanna know why it would change your life if you took Jesus up on that invitation to Sabbath a day a week? Because when you rest, you remember God does not. Simply put, God is paramount in the biblical narrative. You know what other principle is? Rest. Why are those two things paramount? Because when you rest, and I mean really rest, you remember God never does. And that is where real rest is found, right there. A restless soul, you're looking at one, believes, regardless of what we say or sing, this is how we act. We act like I am the determiner of my destiny the determiner of my destiny. And if I'm gonna get there, then it's gonna be because I got myself there. It's gonna be because I do it. Therefore, I can't stop and I can't slow down. And for that reason, rest is actually one of the most challenging acts of trusting, of trusting that God is the one who is sovereign, that he is the one who never sleeps nor slumbers. He is the real determiner of my destiny. And when you stop going, you find out firsthand the earth keeps spinning and God never stops working. And that, my friend, is where real rest is found. So there's a challenge of a fast one day a week called Sabbath. Uh, for more on that, I recommend a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Here's another fast challenge. Fast from your phone for two hours a day while you're awake. For all of you looking for that loophole, like, done, easy. You need this reason more. This is your reason, okay? While you're awake, fast from it for two hours a day because you physically touch it more than 2,600 times a day. And on average, when you die, you will have logged nine years of your life staring at it. We are now accessible by everybody and present with no one, including God. 
being discipled by a Silicon Valley algorithm more than we're being discipled by Jesus. I try, I try my best to put mine away from the moment I get home from work until the moment the kids are in bed. I got this from Ethan. He preached a message about it a few months ago where he said, I I don't want my son to grow up thinking his dad looks like this. Do you look like this? Hey, you're almost gonna find what you want here, but you won't actually. But it's really hard to stop doing something that almost works. I'm telling you, fast from what you want so your soul can access what it really needs. It's a true story last month or September. In September, it's a true story. Go, go Google it today after church. Two men were stranded at sea for 29 days in the South Pacific, okay? They barely survived on rainwater they collected and coconuts they found floating in the ocean. <laughs> I'm not joking here when I say they finally got found and they were obviously the weakest physically they had ever been. But when interviewed about the experience, one of the guys says this and I quote, he says, yeah, it was kind of a nice break from everything. (laughs) What? Like that so speaks to the condition of our world. (laughs) Being lost at sea, (laughs) thinking I'm gonna die was a nice break. Yeah. (laughs) He said, from constant COVID updates and just this unending, never ceasing influx of news and opinions and information. And that's where where that word trust, this practice of trust comes back into play because I think you should be informed. As followers of Jesus, I'll say we're called to be informed. And so hear my heart, I'm not trying to swing the pendulum to the other side and overcorrect here. But make no mistake, I am trying to correct here. I don't think you need to know absolutely everything about every horrible thing or drama and everybody's passionate takes on it in the court of public opinion. You don't need all of it. You wanna know why? Because God knows all of it and God can store it and God can handle it. He's the one who never sleeps and never slumbers. You were not built or created or asked to carry that, by the way. Like, I wonder if your soul's restless because it's aware of every reason on the globe that it should be. This is so profound, are you ready? I wonder if you'd worry less if you had less to worry about. Fasting, even from information. We live in the era of infinite information yet almost no wisdom. Just because it's there doesn't mean I need all of it. It's like walking into a candy store of information. You can't consume all of this, you will die. Just because it's there doesn't mean I need it. Fasting leads to a real recovery as Jesus saying, come away with me, let me be God (laughs) and you just not. And that's where real rest is, amen? Okay, finally, reason number five, fasting eventually leads to joy. You guys have your communion cups, by the way? Get those ready. We're gonna do that in a few minutes at the end of this reason. Fasting eventually leads to joy. I heard Tyler Staten, lead pastor of Bridgetown Church in Portland, he said this, fasting starts in renunciation, but it eventually finishes in joy. And by the way, real joy needs no help 
from the things my body wants. And so when I get rid of the medication called carbs, when I get rid of shopping to cure my boredom, when I say no to some extra drinks to relieve myself from the pressures of life, when I say no to scrolling on Instagram, and by the way, simple pleasures, the Bible calls it, all good things or at least neutral things, okay? But when I say no to what I want or crave, I tap into the things of heaven, something richer. So keep following me. Song of Solomon 1-2 says this, for your love, God, is more delightful than wine. So let's talk wine, being edgy. It's Halloween, people. Let's get one thing straight. There is a difference between a bottle of 2015 Silver Oak Cab and a $5 red blend that comes in a box. It's a difference between those two things, okay? Now, the simple pleasures of life are good, you guys, or at least neutral. It's just that we have so many of them in infinite quantity available to us all the time. More than any generation before us, more than pretty much any other nation on this planet, what they can only imagine or dream of is the amount of simple pleasures, both neutral and good, that are available to us at every single moment. And so easy to just say yes, 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 all the time, so much so that we, if you're anything like me, you can no longer really go 15 minutes in silence without one of them at least to distract you. And over time, they add up. And they dull our palates until all we start to crave is the cheap stuff. Sommeliers train for years to take a sip of wine and go, I'm getting cranberry, blackberry, earth tones, and sun-dried tomato, and... What'd I say? Earthy tones. Tomato, yeah. Guys, I actually know a lot about wine. I'm not supposed to say that. Actually, Jesus, it was his first miracle. He turned water into a wine, made more alcohol at a party. Now, do we abuse that? Yes, but guys, let's go. Christians need to be known for the joy of the world. Finally, come on. Oh, I just preach another sermon right now <laughs> about wine. Yeah, there we go. Let's just, okay. So sommeliers can do that. Now, most of us just take a sip of it and go, I'm sorry, I was getting wine. <laughs> like Michael Scott, uh, that's a red. I believe that's a red. Okay, lean in right here. To quote Staten again, God's love is like the finest wine. And because of that, it goes unappreciated on most palates. So I'm just gonna read you one line of lyrics really quick. So listen. The things of earth stand next to him like a candle to the sun. Unfailing father, what compares to his great love? Now, those are lyrics to a song we're about to sing. Let me ask you this. Did those words do anything for your soul? Did that wake something up in wonder? And if not, that is so okay. All I'm saying is it might be time to take your palate back. 
to take your palate back for the better things and the deeper things. I'm, I'm a big, uh, I juice veggies and fruits all the time, another yet nerdy thing about me, surprise. And so I always help people when they wanna get started. Now, when people first start juicing fruits and veggies, they will do 90% fruit with like a couple spinach leaves in there, right? And that's why everybody wonders, like, I'm juicing. Why am I like, I feel terrible. I'm gaining weight. I'm juicing. I'm like, it's because it's all sugar. <laughs> They're like, yeah, but it's fruit. It's natural. I'm like, it's, it's still sugar. It's all sugar. And the right amount is good for you. If it's all you have, you're not going to feel good. But over time, your body starts to crave. Your taste buds start to crave. Because when you need sugar, that, I mean, that's because you're, you've spent decades, your, your, your taste buds have been hijacked by decades of processed sugar. But over time, you start to taste the real stuff that's not made in a factory. And you start to crave what your body actually needs once again. So over time, okay, we trade in the pure joy, the real thing found in God, just for little escapes, cheap escapes. And I so understand why we do it. It's because like your phone, it almost works. And it's really hard to stop doing stuff that almost works. In Finding Dory, you know, I, I'm a dad of a three-year-old. In Finding, actually, I'd still watch it without my son all the time. It's so good. And Finding Dory, it takes place at this aquarium in California. And at the aquarium, um, the whale tank has a glass wall that goes right up to the ocean, okay? We have so many things available to us that get us right up to the glass. But it's not the ocean. It almost works but it's not the ocean. So close, yet so far. So when you deny yourself the simple pleasures that you want that almost work, whether it's lunch for a day or TV for a week or shopping for a month, you move beyond the glass and begin to experience the real thing. Fasting, for that reason, is less about starving the flesh and more about your soul feasting on the things of heaven might be time to take your palate back for the deeper things that actually work. That's why you have a communion cup in your hands. If you want to grab that, can I get one from you? Thanks, man. Um, go ahead and take out the, uh, the bread, the wafer. Fasting is about thinning out our lives in order to thicken our communion with God, all right? So during the final supper with his best buddies, Jesus took some bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. He said, now take it and eat it. And as you do, you guys, Use your imaginations not to imagine this nourishing your stomach, but nourishing your spirit, the pneuma, the ruach, the very breath of the living God in you from the inside out. And then he takes the wine. He says, this is my blood that is about to drip down a cross for six hours while I hang there and absorb all the wrath, do all the sin in all of our lives, past, present, and future. 
and deal with this chasm that stands between me and you. By my stripes, you are healed. I pour out my blood for you. Now take it and drink. Once again, nourishing your spirit from the inside out. Deep calls out to deep. You guys, this is a meal you will never be able to afford and a meal that is completely free and paid for. Do not forget to remember. I believe fasting will change your life. Why? Because it realigns your soul inside out. It gives you power to resist temptation, makes you ready, gives you real rest, and it eventually leads to joy. It's an act of thinning out your life in order to thicken your communion with the one you're actually looking for. The only eternal answer to the forever-sized space in your soul. When your spirit just says, man, I'm home, I'm home. And then all the simple pleasures become house money. And I actually am freed up to enjoy them because I've moved past, moved past the glass into the real thing. Amen? Will you guys stand? Jesus, we love you so much. I pray right now, just once again, God, that the spirit of obligation, the spirit of legalism would just be gone in Jesus' name right now. She ain't got time for that. Because if we bring that into fasting, we'll do it once for the wrong reasons and we won't do it again for another decade. But if there is a spirit of beautiful invitation into something more birthed out of relationship and not religion, (laughs) where this becomes less about the actual fasting or the principle and more about the person we are communing with, then, well, that changes everything. And so I pray, I pray that maybe today somebody would feel re-inspired, feel that today people would be inspired for the first time, but for the right reason to say yes to to fasting, to going without what I want so I can tap into what I actually need. And as we sing these lyrics, as we proclaim how great your love is, how the things of earth stand next to you like a candle to the sun, would this truly be deep calling out to deep? the breath of God, the spirit of the living God, alive and at work within us, calling out to the depths of your love, feeling like we are truly home, feeling like I've honestly now found everything that I'm looking for, the answer that actually works. God, would you awaken our spirits and empower us to live from a divine order inside out and proclaim how great your love is in Jesus' name, amen.